The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum listeners, my name is Shaquille Shah and uh, I'm your host for today. Uh, this show is Ask Your Lawyer show and uh, we're going to be asking, we're going to be dealing with immigration queries and questions. Uh, I also have uh, panelists here, uh, I will introduce them. Uh, we have our immigration supervisor, his name is Ashahul Ali and also we have our immigration solicitor, her name is Juma Begum. Assalamu alaikum. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Yeah, today we are asking about immigration. We are dealing with immigration, so please call in and text in if you need any advice on immigration. We have two uh, two panelists available here who can answer your queries and questions. Please call in on zero one five eight two. 481822. You can also text or WhatsApp on 0779481822. It's 0779481822. You can also um, message us on Facebook because we're going to be live on Facebook. So if you go on our Facebook page and uh, hit up also, you can also send us messages through our web page, which is www.inspirefm.org. Um, so we're going to start with the um, it's different types of immigration issues and immigration cases. So we start off from asylum cases. Um, I'll start from my panelist, uh, Mr. Ali. Uh, so what is asylum and what are the requirements for asylum, Ali? Okay, so asylum is when one is in fear of returning to their country of origin. Now, in order to apply, you need to satisfy some of the requirements. Now, in order to satisfy that, you need to show that you are in fear and you need to prove that you are in fear of persecution. Persecution as in violence, physical violence or otherwise mental violence as well. Um, and you need to show that you will be suffering from that violence as a result of your race, religion, nationality, political opinion or a social group as well. Now, the, I could go into more detail into what you can define as social group later. Um, you need to also show that you cannot relocate anywhere within your country and that you cannot seek protection from the police. Okay, once all of that is satisfied, and obviously you need to show that you are in the UK, um, you are likely to be granted asylum, um, although it is quite an uphill struggle um, to get there in the end. Okay, yeah, that's informative. Uh, I'll move on to our second panellist, Juma um, Begum. How does the process work? How does asylum process work? Okay, so if someone hasn't applied um, for asylum at point of entry, um, once you're in the UK, if you want to claim asylum, you would usually call the asylum screening unit and book yourself an appointment. So a person that wants to claim asylum, they'll book themselves as a, an appointment. Um, once the appointment has been booked, the applicant will have a interview called a screening interview. So in the screening interview, usually basic details are taken from the client on why they want to claim asylum and also name and address details and date of birth and they'll be fingerprinted as well, will be done. Once that it's that's complete, the next stage would be the substantive interview. Um, in that the Home Office will take a full interview of the client and full details um, from the applicant on the asylum claim. So what um, 
literally why they want to claim asylum what they fear why they can't return back to the country and once the asylum uh, the substantive interview is complete the lawyers um, if they have lawyers what we will do is submit representations on behalf of the client based on their instructions and the home office then make a decision based on the interview and the representations to submit it yeah, so that's uh, we covered uh, requirements and then we covered the process. Now we'll move on to um, how much does it cost? Because obviously no. people would want to know how much it costs if you want to apply for asylum. Now most lawyers charge a fee. Um, however, as part of Wolf & Co, we offer a legal aided service. So the government bear the cost okay. um, for the application. So it's free to the client. So what kind of uh, services they cover for? Is there representation only? Or? So it will be the initial representation as part of the, appli- uh, the application. If in the worst event the application is refused and we appeal to the tribunal, the representation would cover that as well. Um, if we are to appeal subsequent to that, um, depending on the merits of the case, then the legal aid would cover that as well. Okay, so does that cover litigation side as well as the barrister side as well? Yes. Yeah. So the the litigation is fully covered. Okay, and barristers if they go to yes. the tribunal to represent the clients. Okay. Um, so once the process happened, you you met, met your requirements and everything. If mm-hmm. application is granted, mm-hmm. um, I'll move on to Juma. If if application is granted, then uh, what sort of visa would they get? Like for how long? So um, initially, they'll be granted leave to remain in the UK for five years okay. if the applica- uh, asylum application is successful. Okay. And if, say, um, if the leave, uh, once the leave expires, uh, what happens then? So, say, five years expired, now they want to move on. Then so. the um, applicant, or uh, if we've got a client, what they would have to do is make an application for indefinite leave to remain in the UK. As um, usually you'll be granted that if your circumstances haven't changed. Okay, so um, Ash, what type of leave uh, an applicant can get, uh, like maybe, is if it's not five years, do they fall under any different Okay, groups? so the best thing about that asylum application is that the Home Office have a duty to consider every other ground that may possibly apply to you. Okay, so if you if you fail on the asylum part of it, the Home Office are required to consider humanitarian protection, whether you could be granted leave again for five years under Article 2 or Article 3. So Article 2 is to prove that your life is at risk and you're at risk of dying. Or alternatively, if you can show that you are at risk of facing torture, Article 3. If you can satisfy either of them, then you could be granted five years of leave again under humanitarian protection. If that fails, then you could be granted leave under any of the immigration rules or alternatively outside of those rules, which is classified as discretionary leave, and that would be for 2.5 years. So that's 30 months. Okay. And what happens if a child applies for, he is unaccompanied and he has no one in the UK, but he's a child, Mm -hmm. he hasn't got a very strong case. What happens then? Okay. So if a child applies, obviously a different process um, applies to him because he's a minor. Yep. However, if his asylum claim fails, he will be granted leave until the age of 17 and a half because anyone that's a minor cannot be removed. 
from the UK. Okay. Okay. So they'll be granted leave in any event. Okay. So that means if you don't have a good claim, if you don't have a case, you will still get still get a leave until you are seventeen and all. That's for minors, yes. And what happens? However, that asylum claim will be rejected. Okay. So he's not going to be a refugee, is he? No, he'll be given leave under discretionary leave, discretionary leave. which is outside of the rules as an unaccompanied mo- asylum-seeking child. Okay. Um, and say if any of the application, if they if they refused, what are the options after, like once they refused? Okay. Um, so if an asylum application is refused, you have not you have a right of appeal. The Home Office would normally give you a right of appeal. Okay, so you could then appeal within 14 days to the first tier tribunal. Okay, okay. the tribunal will subsequently call you in for a hearing okay. and you will present your evidence. Okay, and uh, evidence means like is there documentation or what kind of evidence do they Okay, need? so there's obviously evidence in chief, which would normally be your witness statement and you giving oral evidence before a judge. And secondly, you will have... Um, documentary evidence which could consist of subjective documents such as photographs of you being beaten up somewhere alternatively you could use expert evidence so reports from medical experts torture experts country experts as well so what does a country expert do so a country expert would normally again it depends on the instructions that we give the expert so if in your case you have a dispute over whether for example Christians are at risk in Pakistan, we would ask the country expert to expand on that and give us his expert opinion on whether Christians are in at risk in Pakistan. And, and it would depend, it's all on case-by-case basis anyway, and that's just an example. Yeah, so say they're going to appeal, it, it didn't work their way, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been refused or dismissed. Mm-hmm. Would they have any other options or would they have any other way to mm-hmm. proceed with this? They can appeal subsequently to the upper tribunal, okay? And that's only if we can prove that the first-tier tribunal judge made an error of law. So was there a mistake in his application of the law? If there was, then we can appeal to the upper tribunal. But the upper tribunal works in a two-stage process. So when you submit an appeal, you have to request permission before you get there if permission is granted then you will be invited for a full hearing to address your case fully okay okay i think juma is a bit bored so i'm gonna ask her some <laughs> questions as well so uh, say it doesn't work in all options don't work say asylum uh, drop then he went to court he refused on from both tribunals what happens next that they are on, on the borderline now they have no uh, case ongoing so what can they do possibly well if there's a if the client has new circumstances that the home office hasn't previously considered then um they can submit that evidence to the home office and the home office will need to consider um will see whether they can consider that so they will see whether um that application would be called a fresh asylum claim um and that's only if there is evidence that the client believes the Home Office hasn't considered before. So that is an option available to the clients and we can make an application for the client on behalf of them. Is that covered by legal aid as well? Or? Yes, we will assess the client um, to see if they are eligible for legal aid and if they are, then um, they will be covered for legal aid 
for the fresh asylum so claim. fresh claim it sounds like it's uh, new reasons so that would does that mean they can't rely on the previous um, reasons they're given no because the previous reasons would have already been considered so it has to be something new and significantly new so it has to be totally different from anything that's previously been considered by the home office um if it isn't it would have been it might just get rejected at the initial stage okay um now um we're gonna move on to detention cases because obviously we touched up on asylum, we haven't got any call from our listeners. So I do want listeners to call in and ask if they have questions, which I missed on. I know I'm doing a question answer series because nobody's interacting with us. But um, I'm, I'm still on my phones and I'm still looking on the screens if anybody pops up with any questions. If you have any question regarding asylum applications, appeals, or if, if, you, are in the, if you are in the process of asylum, you can call us, text us or uh, message us on Facebook. Our number is 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp us on 0779481822 and you also can message us on uh, Facebook Live or comment us and we, we can monitor that and we can answer your queries. So now we'll move on to um, detentions. So there are, um, uh, so what are detention, what are detention centres? Uh, so detention centres are where Illegal immigrants are detained pending removal. Okay. Um, there are many of them dotted around the country. Um, two main ones near Heathrow Airport. Okay. The other two big ones next to Gatwick. Um, we have one in Bedford um, for women only. And some are families, full families that are detained there as well. Um, most are completely unaware about the one that is in Bedford. Um, okay. However, they are quite closer to home than we think. Okay, so uh, why do they have detention centres right next to the airports? Because yeah. it's it's easier to remove people. Okay. And uh, are they same as prisons or is there a different no. establishment? No, they are, they are completely different. They are run by the Home Office um, under the Directorate of the UKVI and not the prison service. Okay. Um, they have far more freedoms than prison inmates. Um, so you can obviously contact them. They are allowed to have phones on them and so on. So when can someone uh, be detained? Like what circumstances lead someone's arrest and detention in immigration matters? Uh, what is your... Okay, so, so normally yeah, so normally people are, de are detained if they have breached the conditions of their leave or if they have overstayed. So they have no leave to remain in the UK. So they could be detained at that time um, pending removal and then action would be taken against okay. them to remove them. So we do have a caller online. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to obviously take this call. I think it's... Uh, hello? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Who am I speaking to? Assalamu alaikum, brother. This is Masoom speaking. Um, I just wanted to ask a question to the lawyer. Okay. Um, I don't know what the expert, which field their expertise are in, um, but I'm interested in immigration law. They will be able to advise, right? Yeah, they are immigration experts, so they will. Oh, be okay. Able to, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, brother, I've been hearing a rumor. I don't know if this is a rumor or whether it's how true this is. Um, but is it um, is it true that the government is reconsidering the immigration in terms of uh, people who are coming from, um, for example, Asians? Um, or elsewhere um are they are they trying is there anything um in terms of 
uh, how do I put it? Um, basically, uh, the reconsidering the uh, immigration process in terms of like you know bringing uh, your relative over or settlement visa or anything like that. Is there any new amendments? I just wanted to uh, know from the lawyer. Okay, so I'm gonna ask. I don't, I don't know if my question is for, if it's clear or not. Hopefully, they would understand. So basically, you want to know any, any new changes on immigration rules regarding family that, visas and settlements. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. Okay, well, apparently, so Mr. Ali will be able to answer this this question. And if you stay online, yeah, obviously, he'll speak to you. Yeah. Sure, okay. So sure. that's, well, that's my question, bro. Thank you very much. No problem. Wa alaikum. Wa Um, with regards to that question, there doesn't seem to be any major changes on the horizon. Okay. Um, the government may reconsider their position um, with Brexit okay. um, looming over us um, and whether now that there might be a position where European workers might not be allowed to enter the country as easily as they were able to, there may be a shortage of staff um, and skill and therefore the government the government may take a step to relax those rules. However, we need to also understand one of the reasons why Brexit um, is what we are pursuing at the moment is because of immigration and because of mass immigration. Um, so for the government to take a more lenient view on immigration now, in my view, is unlikely. So at the moment, there are no significant changes? Well, there are no significant changes at the moment. There have been no announcements for that. Um, instead, the government's taking more of a stricter, more conservative view. So as everyone understands that they would need more uh, workers as laborers mm. from mm. other countries, because if Europeans go back, then they will have a shortage. So is there anything in terms of any laborers or in any near future? Do you think anything will? Well, at the moment, looking at w the way Brexit negotiations are going, it seems like we will still have free movement of people. Okay. And if there is free movement of people, um, then European workers will have access to the British market, okay. um, like they have always done. Okay. Yeah. So um, I hope that answers uh, my brother's question. I think brother Mosumi's name was. So if if he answers your question, that's fine. If he doesn't, then you can you can call us again, or you can leave your details, and we can get back to you on if it, there are any. Any amendments? So, if you have any specific uh, question or case which you want advice on, we can definitely assist you uh, if you leave your details with uh, uh, the our staff, and we can get back to you. So, moving on uh, back to our topic, detentions. So, um, we did cover when can someone be detained, but how do they uh, detain people? Like, um, what do they do? Do they just turn up or? So. For example, you see immigration raids happening regularly. Okay, um, they come to stop um, the shops. They come. St they come to stores. You know where people are likely to be working, illegal immigrants. Okay, okay? they do turn up to people's houses, as well. Okay. okay, and if you are found, they will obviously interview there and then, okay. and ask you whether you can justify the reasons for remaining in the UK. If you can prove that you've got a valid visa then you won't be detained. Okay. But if you can't, you will be detained. Okay. So they can, unannounced, they can just pay a visit wherever yes. they want. And uh, does that happen uh, quite often or do they need someone, like say some informers, or how does that, uh, how do they find out? Okay. Well, I could tell you there are 
a lot of detainees in detention centers, which indicates that raids are happening regularly. Okay, um, each detention center has about a capacity of around 500 detainees. Okay. okay, and all of them are at full capacity. Okay, so how long, what's the longest period of detention? Like, how long can they be well, detained? Well, I have come across some clients that have been detained for four years. Four years? Four years. It's four years for immigration. For immigration. That doesn't include any period of detention for a criminal offence. Yeah, that's more than some more sentence yes. than some of the criminal offences. Yes. So does that does that not become unlawful at yes. any point? Yes. So at this stage, one should be definitely arguing that the detention was unlawful, because detention can only be justified for removal. Now you could not be removing someone for four years. You either remove them within two weeks or four weeks, okay. or you don't, and you release them. So once the Home Office failed to do that, there are options that we can seek in challenging that detention. So um, what is the process of challenging that detention? So hey, someone's been detained for four or five years, mm -hmm. um, he had no bail, nothing, and they, he wants to challenge it. How mm -hmm. would they go okay, about Okay, so the first thing we will do is assess, using all of his documents from the Home Office, whether the Home Office have complied with all the rules and regulations and whether they have carried out all the correct assessments in order to determine whether his detention is justified. Okay. Okay. If we can determine that they haven't done their job properly, then we will obviously submit a judicial review at the High Court okay. claiming that his detention is unlawful. Okay. Okay. If the judge also agrees with that, then he could be entitled to a large sum of compensation. Now, if we take that four-year case, that could be a six-figure sum. Okay. And uh, so they can get compensation as well? Yes. It's found that they were uh, detained unlawfully, mm -hmm. regardless of their immigration status? Regardless of their immigration status. Some of them have been okay. granted compensation okay. and then removed from the UK. Oh. Okay. But the detention aspect is separate to the fact that they haven't got leave in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, Juma, if we say someone is in detention, he's just been detained, he wants to apply for bail, what yeah. would you advise him, what to do, like what steps he needs to take to apply for uh, bail from detention centre? Okay, so usually we'll get calls from clients in uh, detention and if their removal isn't imminent, so yeah. they're not likely to be removed anytime soon um, and they're detained in a detention centre um, we can make an application for bail but they have to be held on immigration matters in order to for us to make that immigration bail application uh, usually the requirements you would need to show is first of all like I said the removal isn't imminent and you need to prove that um, well the client will need to prove that his or her is unlikely to abscond and they're not a threat to the public and then we would submit a bail application to the tribunal. The tribunal will consider that application and then the tribunal will give us a bail hearing date and then we'll instruct a counsel to attend the hearing and then um, on the day the judge will decide whether bail should be granted or refused. So is that a con if they grant the bail, is, is it going to be a conditional bail or unconditional? or? Yeah. <laughs> Most of the times when we submit the bail application, we would um, give conditions and the Home Office might also put some conditions on, so it would always be on conditions. Okay, so you um, propose conditions yourself? Yeah, we would propose conditions. Okay, 
So say somebody um, breaches one of the conditions, say if he was to sign on a police station or somewhere, uh, what happens? So if they breach the condition and they abscond and then they're caught again and then they're put into a detention centre again, it's very un- it's highly unlikely they would be granted bail on the second occasion when they make an application because the judge will consider that if they release them on bail, they're likely to abscond. Okay. Yeah, so what happens if, if the bail is refused from tribunal? So if the bail is refused from the tribunal, um, the client can usually resubmit another bail application or renew the application after 28 days, 28 days. Um, and they might have a change of circumstances. However, if there's a significant change in their circumstances, they don't have to wait for that 28-day period, and we can try and submit a application to the tribunal again. For example, on the first occasion, they may not have had a surety, and they've been able to um, obtain a surety, so we and then we can make a application again. Okay. So, what is surety? Ash, if you take me before we move on to break, if you just okay. So, a surety is a person that would put themselves down as a guarantor, okay, and security to promise that they would ensure that this person will adhere to the conditions. Okay. So. Okay. Um, we are quite near to uh, close to our break, uh, I think first break of the show. Mm-hmm. So we will come back to shorties uh, mm-hmm. after our break. Please do, do tune in after the break, uh, Inspire FM 105.1. Uh, and do call in and text 1015824818222. We are moving on to break now and uh, we'll be able to, uh, we'll, be com- we'll be back in four minutes. So by then, laugh is. Thank you. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Asalaamu Alaikum. Welcome back to Ask Your Lawyer show. It's Shaquille Shah, your presenter for today. And uh, we have... uh, Two panelists for today, um, Mr. Ashahul Ali and uh, Ms. Juma Begum. We are talking about immigration today. So we we've spoken about asylum and detention cases and uh, what's uh, all other aspects of immigration. Please call in if you need uh, advice on immigration. Our number is zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two, and you can also message in or WhatsApp on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. We are live on Facebook. You can also message us on Facebook or leave a comment, and we will get back to you. Um, so we were um, were we on sureties? Yes. So be- before the break, we were talking about sureties. So what um, steps a surety can take to? make sure that the person complies with the bail. Okay, so the best surety for any judge is the one that would be living with the the migrant. Okay. Okay, because they'll be able to control when he gets in, when he gets out, because there will be restrictions on when they can be out and when they need to be at home. Okay. Okay, so that would be the best surety. However, there are other sureties that would normally put down some form of security monetary security so they would say okay here's 500 pounds in the event that the migrant absconds yeah okay that 500 pounds would be claimed from the surety okay so i would suggest that sureties are placed in any bail application however it's not mandatory 
So how many can one have? Like how many shorties can one have? So usually the requirement is two. Okay, two you can obviously work with one. And if you don't have any, yeah. you don't need any. So do they have to attend the court? Uh, yes. Are they required? They will have to attend the court with their identity documents. They have to be a British national okay. or a person with status in the UK or in the European Union. Okay, I think I've got another call in. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the caller. Hello, Assalamualaikum. Hello, Assalamualaikum. ठीक है तो अभी जो है ना मेरी दो एक्सटेंशन हो चुकी हैं ठीक है तो तीसरी के लिए मैंने अप्लाई करना है तो क्या मैं डायरेक्टली इनडेफिनेट अप्लाई कर सकता हूँ या कि मैंने लाइफ इन द यूके पास कर ली है और बी वन का मुझे मेरा सोलिसिटर कह रहा है कि अभी वो आपने करना है ओके तो क्या मैं डायरेक्टली अभी इनडेफिनेट के लिए अप्लाई कर सकता हूँ सो आपको यूके में आए हुए कितना अरसा हुआ है ओके दैट्स फाइन मैं अभी हमारे पेरेंट्स से पूछता हूँ कि आपके लिए क्या एडवाइस है कि आप मतलब आप कह रहे हैं कि आप टेन ईयर्स रूट पे आए हैं और आप अभी इनडेफिनेटली लीव टू रिमेन अप्लाई कर सकते हैं या नहीं आफ्टर सेवन एंड हाफ ईयर्स ठीक है चलो ठीक है थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर यू कॉल सलाम वालेकुम What they're saying is, um, he's come here as spouse for ten years, and he has had two extensions already. Mm -hmm. He's on seven and a half years now, so he wants to know whether he is eligible to apply okay. for uh, indefinite leave to remain. Okay. So from my understanding, he's been in the UK for six years. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, if he was to enter the UK, he would have been on the five-year route. Okay. Okay. So it seems like. based on the ambiguity of the facts that he got married in the UK after he entered okay. the UK and then he applied for his status on the fact that he's been married to a british national okay now if you are in if you are abroad yeah. okay your only option is to come in on the five year route the 10 year route doesn't apply so the fact that he's been on the 10 year route indicates that he was in the UK at the time of the application okay what that then shows is that he didn't qualify for the five year route solely because he didn't satisfy all of the requirements and one of the significant ones is the 18600 pound maintenance requirement okay so therefore he would have fallen within the 10 year route okay and on that basis he needs to complete the 10 year route unless he can now show that him and his partner together have the income of 18600 pounds if he can prove that then he can transfer onto the five year route and application uh, he still needs to wait two and a half years yes yeah so it's uh, pretty much the same so the basic answer is he can't apply for indefinite leave yet okay, okay. but he can apply 
um, under the five-year route now. Okay. So, um, um, our caller, he called in Urdu and obviously answer was given in English. If you have any difficulty in Urdu, I can explain it to you. So, Mr. Ali has said that, um, so Mr. Ali has said that if you come to the UK for 10 years, तो आपको 10 साल पूरे करने पड़ेंगे ये उनका मतलब यही उनका जवाब है कि अभी आप इंडेफिनेट लीव के लिए क्वालिफाई नहीं करते लेकिन अगर आप रूट चेंज करना चाहते हैं तो फिर आपको शो करना पड़ेगा कि आपके स्पाउस जो हैं वो 18600 से ऊपर आप दोनों जो कलेक्टिव इनकम है आपकी वो 18600 से ऊपर है और आप मूव आप अपना वीजा चेंज कर सकते हैं लेकिन फिर भी आपको दो साल छह महीने के लिए वेट करना पड़ेगा क्योंकि जो रूट जो है वो दस साल वाला है तो अभी अभी अगर चेंज भी करेंगे तो फिर भी दो दो साल छह महीने तक वेट करना पड़ेगा तो आपका जो इनका जवाब यही है कि आप अभी अप्लाई नहीं कर सकते or Bengali or um, three, four languages. So if you do want to call in, if you have difficulty in English, we can speak Urdu and our panelists are from Bangladesh, so they can speak Bengali as well. So please do call in 01582481822 and also you can message in at 0779481822. So we move on to, move back to our topic. We were on bails. So I know Juma explained very well on what the conditions are. The covered the sureties and uh, all sort of thing so now um so what is a judicial review ash says okay so judicial review is a review of the government's decision by judges so can you uh, ask for judicial review for any decision or does it have to be uh, there, is there is there a criteria no. so it could be any decision but you need to also understand judicial review must be a course of last resort. Okay. okay. So if you've got a right of appeal, your judicial review would fail. Okay. Because you should take the appeal action before you go to judicial review. Okay. okay. But if you have no other option available to yourself, then you can obviously take a judicial review action. Okay. So... um so you, what kind of sort of funding is available for judicial review? Does that does, okay? Does that so there, by legal aid so that is covered by legal aid, depending on the facts of the case again. Okay, okay. Um, but it's known as licensed work. So a legal aid application would need to be submitted to the legal aid agency, okay. um, a body within the Ministry of Justice, which would then assess the application, and if they are pleased, they will grant legal aid okay. um, and then we can obviously carry out work without the client having to pay okay and if they don't then uh, is it quite costly if they yes so up? it is very costly um, okay. you know it could runs in it could run into tens of thousands of pounds so say um, uh, uh, they have a judicial review proceeding mm. going on and mm -hmm. they don't have a, a very strong case uh, would that, that, that can that still go to end of the judicial review or can that be uh, uh, sent back to them saying that they don't have no grounds or how would that work? Sorry, I don't understand. So if you go for judicial review mm -hmm. and uh, say the grounds are re the grounds behind are really weak mm -hmm. and uh, can they can they refuse if you if you lodge an application? For yes. Review, can they refuse that? So judicial review works again as a two step two step process. Okay. So the first step is known as the permission permission stage. Yeah. Okay. So you would submit your application. To the judge 
on paper and the judge would assess that paper application there and then. At that stage, the judge would need to decide whether to grant you permission. If they do, that means your case has some form of merit. You will be then called in for a full trial. Okay. At that stage, it could then be refused if it is a weak case. Okay. Okay. In most cases, because we grant legal aid, there would be some merit in the case. Okay. Okay, because legal aid wouldn't be granted so if your case is weak. So you assess the merits before... Yes, we assess the merits before we proceed even with the legal aid application, let alone the judicial review application. Yeah, so uh, say if someone's... So how is legal aid assessed? Like if they are overstayers, mm-hmm. uh, how would they have funds to pay? Okay, so if when it comes to legal aid, we will assess whether they have any income. Okay, and if their income is above... £733 per month, for example. Is that for the applicant or their partner? Or the applicant and the partner. And the partner. So, okay. partner so if they have a partner. Okay. So let's say in this instance we've got a couple. One's a migrant. Want to apply for judicial review for some reason. Okay. We will then assess the income that they have together. And what happens in children's cases? Say some child applies for a judicial review. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's not expected to work. So mm-hmm. would that be still assessed for his means? Yes, the, it will be the same process because regardless of anything, children are unlikely to work, so they are likely to satisfy the means assessment. Okay. Okay, so they are normally supported under the, under the Children's Act, right? Um, so the lo- local authority would provide a letter confirming this is the amount of money we give them per week or per month. So I think we have enough questions regarding judicial review and detentions, mm-hmm. but the only thing I want to know... Um, if uh, say someone is uh, someone is being removed and uh, he wants to apply for an injunction mm-hmm. to stop his removal how do they go about that okay again so that's similar to judicial review okay. every injunction application would normally accompany a judicial review application okay because you need to obviously prove that the action that the home office are taking is wrong and is unreasonable okay so there's obviously legal principles behind um, reasonableness okay? okay so you need to prove that the removal is unreasonable yeah okay and that that would obviously impact the rights and freedoms of the individual okay, okay? And if you can prove that then an injunction could be granted by an upper tribunal judge or a high court judge stopping any removal okay so in, for example if you have an outstanding fresh claim yeah okay and removal proceedings are taking place against you and you've got a fright, flight tomorrow yeah. We can apply for an injunction today yeah. to stop that because you've got a pending claim. Okay. And without that being decided, one should not be removed. So can that be, an injunction can be put in place within uh, the limit, like say if it's a one day, mm-hmm. is that is that 24 hours or how does that work? Obviously, you know, if we have more time on our hands, it's always better, but not always do you have so much time because the Home Office could notify you of a flight 72 hours beforehand okay. so three days is brilliant yeah okay but sometimes client con- clients contact us on the day before and if we see that there are merits yeah. then we will take on the case and obviously apply for the injunction there and then so say um they you applied for injunction and then clients ends up in airport and you have injunction granted and the client is in airport and they still stop them from boarding a flight or yes there have been instances where clients have actually taken the flight, yep. arrived in their country of origin, okay. 
but then the injunction application was in force and then the home office has had, had to return that plane with that person back to the UK. Okay, so they can still be brought back to UK yes. without getting into that country mm. because they have injunction in place. Yes. Oh, that's, that's very informative. Uh, okay, so um, now we want to move on to uh, uh, domestic violence and uh, trafficking. So um, what are the requirements of uh, domestic violence cases? Say there is a domestic violence mm -hmm. incident and... Um, Say it's a lady or a, a, mm. a male or a female, mm -hmm. they've been assaulted and they've been kicked out of their house. Mm -hmm. What would happen, what, what are the requirements for them to apply for any sort of leave? Okay, so there are specific domestic violence rules for those that have entered as a spouse to a British national. Yeah. Okay, so if you have entered as a spouse to a British national and you have then suffered domestic violence, you can then apply as a victim of domestic violence, once you've obviously um, moved away from the culprit, okay. um, seeking indefinite leave to remain on the basis that you have been a victim of domestic violence. So can they apply for a visa or, do they, or is there indefinite leave to remain only or can they apply for a visa? How, how does that work? Okay, so that indefinite leave to remain would be their leave to remain. That's their visa. Okay. So they can, even if they have been in the country for, say, one year, mm -hmm. they can still apply for indefinite leave. To yes, so there, there's no time limit. So if they have come in a year ago and they have now suddenly suffered domestic violence at the ha hands of their partner, yeah. all they need to prove is that their spouse or the culprit was the British national yeah. and that they are a victim. Okay, and they can then apply for indefinite so leave. So they have to prove it. Like, what kind of evidence do they need to so obtain to... Uh, so evidence would be, you know, reports to the police, yep. findings that the police um, have made, yep. okay, evidence such as that, um, you know, some of them unfortunately have bodily marks of yep. the suff sufferance and so on. So evidence of that is key yep. um, in order to proceed with the domestic violence application. So if they, if say there is an incident and mm -hmm. then police and get involved, mm -hmm. they get the report and they basically say we're not taking any further actions. Mm -hmm. What happens then? They do, can they still use, they rely on that or? Oh yes, they can rely on that because the police, whether the police take action or not, doesn't necessarily mean domestic violence didn't exist. Okay? Because that's a different threshold that the police apply and that's the criminal standard, whereas domestic violence falls under the civil standard. Okay. Uh, Juma, uh, yeah. I have a question for you as well. Um, so, um, say somebody is victim of domestic violence, but their leave has been expired. So, yeah. say they are on spouse visa, they were near extension, they had a fight, they couldn't apply for extension. Can they still make an application? Yes, so um, if you're trying to say that their um, spouse visa has expired and can they still make an application under the domestic violence rule mm. then the person can still make the application um, as long as they can prove that the marriage broke down as a result of domestic violence so it doesn't matter so if your visa has expired has expired you can still make that application as long as you can prove that the marriage broke down as a result of domestic violence okay so they can make an application at any any point whenever they yes they can okay is there a fee for this application or do they get any sort of funding? It depends. If they can show that they're destitute, then they can get funding for the application. We will ask the Home Office to um, waive the fee. 
So if they are, say, if they have a criminal history, say yeah. some of the applicants, yeah. any applicant has a criminal history, would they be treated differently, like in applications? Okay, so for indefinite leave to remain, usually you need to show that you're a person of good character. Now, um, the requirements under the immigration rules, um, sh you shouldn't have a, a criminal uh, history. If you do, however, have a criminal history, it depends on what the conviction is and based on that um, they can still make that application and they won't be granted indefinite leave to remain but they will be granted further leave to remain or they can be granted further leave to remain in the UK for 30 months. Okay. Um, yeah, so we covered pretty much three major areas of immigration, asylum, which we never covered before in our shows, and also detention cases and domestic violence. So that was very informative for our listeners. We we still expect calls from our listeners, so please call in 01582481822. And you can also message on 0779481822. We are on the last half of the show, so we only got about five minutes remaining. So if anyone wants, to, wants an advice, you can call in now. It can be in Urdu, Bengali or English, we will be happy to assist. And if you, if our show finishes, you can still leave your details with, um, with the, the Inspire FM and we can get in touch with you. Um, so um, I've got a couple of more questions for, for Shahul until obviously we go towards the end of the show. So um, I just want you to touch with the requirements of brief requirements of uh, uh, spouse visa applications. Okay, so the spouse visa applications, the main sticking point for everyone is the maintenance requirement. You need to obviously prove that you are on an £18,600 salary on a gross basis annually. Okay, you need to also show that you've got a subsisting relationship and that both partners have met. Yep. Okay, you need to obviously show that there are there is suitable accommodation available yep. for your partner. Okay, that the accommodation should not be overcrowded okay um in accordance with housing laws okay um but the main difficulty that most people have is to prove that their income is 18600 pounds for the past 6 months okay yeah so they have to show that they are earning over 18000 mm -hmm. say monthly income has to be consistent with that 18600 like say every month they have mm -hmm. to earn a certain amount of money Yes, so it has to be over a six-month period. You need to show that you are you have earned at least nine thousand three hundred pounds over that six months. Okay. Okay. So Whether that's weekly paid or bi-weekly, or even monthly, it doesn't necessarily matter. But your income, your gross income before you pay tax, yeah. needs to amount to nine thousand three hundred pounds. So uh, people do get married married mm -hmm. outside the UK because most of the spouse visas people get married abroad mm -hmm. and then apply for their spouse to come over. So what happens with the registration of mar marriage like in other countries, say for example Bangladesh or Pakistan, is when they register, is, is that accepted in the UK? Okay, so obviously that, that actually hinges on family law. Okay, and there's obviously case law to prove that if the UK government and the UK judiciary would recognise any marriage that is recognized in the country that it took place in. Okay. So, for example, an Islamic marriage in the UK is not recognized. It's not recognized in the UK. However, an Islamic marriage from Pakistan would be recognized by the government in the UK because that Islamic marriage is recognized by the Pakistani government. Yeah. So that would suffice in order to prove your marriage okay. as part of your spouse application. 
And Juma, I've got a question for you as well. Uh, regarding relationship requirements, what do they have to show um, that their relationship is genuine and subsisting? Uh, what do you mean, evidence? Yeah. or Evidence, yeah. Evidence, so they can show um, if WhatsApp messages, telephone calls, photographs, mm -hmm. anything that would support their case. Yeah. So they need to show that they yes. met up and they, they had a, a yes. marriage and do, can they use like wedding photographs? Yes, okay. you would submit that as part of the application. Okay. Mm. So it would be necessary. Wedding photographs and thereafter after the wedding as well is obviously it's more supported for their case if they have up-to-date photographs as well. They're in regular contact, they can show their conversations. Nowadays it's through WhatsApp before, I mean, we would use calling cards, so we'd use, <laughs> we'd show that. But, I mean, as long as they can show that they've got a genuine relationship and it's subsisting. And they, um, they need to prove any English, knowledge of English? Yes, they would. Okay. So in terms of the uh, chat, so do they have to just copy the inbox and send it to the Home Office saying that, look, we've been chatting? Is that not a bit confidential? Well, it's confidential, yes. But if they don't wish to disclose it because of confidence, then it will only mean that their application is weaker. Okay. You need to show that your relationship is strong. Okay. Sorry. Okay. And that your relationship is ongoing. Now, because... Both partners are in two different countries. Yeah. How do you show that you have got an ongoing relationship? You've got a subsisting relationship. Now, in the modern day and age, we can show that we've been communicating over WhatsApp, for example. Okay. Okay. So, it's unlikely one would want to not disclose that. Okay, because it only makes their application weaker. Okay. Disclosing that makes their application stronger. So they are. You advise that they should include this sort of evidence just to yes. prove that they are in contact. It's not mm. to harm them in any way. No. Whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much uh, to our panelists for today. We are approaching um, our end of our show for today. It was really informative, and they uh, discussed all the immigration areas at full length. We are hoping for them to come back again, and obviously we can catch up on the rest of the immigration um, applications and visas and uh, any questions our listeners might have. You can always contact the Inspire FM on 01582481822 or you can message in for 0779481822. You can also call them directly, they work with Wolf and Company's listers, so you can also check on their website and see if they can assist you. Um, so... Um, I think this this is the end of today. This was my first show, so hopefully listeners um, are happy with the show. And I think we still got about 50 seconds to go, so <laughs> I've lost my words. Um, oh, yeah, I think so, you should talk about costs. That Oh, um, uh, yeah. Just... So um, <laughs> just a brief touch for 30 seconds on costs. So is, does that cost apply to, uh, like, legal aid funds apply to all applications? or N Not all, but I would say domestic violence, asylum applications and other applications such as judicial review and so on. But we can assess them yeah. and w work in a way um, that we can help them with um, alleviating the costs. Okay. okay, so, you know, so if there are queries regarding how they can cover the costs, um, we will obviously discuss that and assist them so with that. So as visa, probably we wouldn't be covering that because they earn 18,000. That's obviously the, the contradiction. Okay, so now we are, at the real, we are at the real end of the show. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you for calling in Allah Hafiz. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.